How's it going? Hey! <laughs> this is a different episode from normal. Yeah. Usually, we're in the Essence headquarters, and today I'm hanging out in your hotel. Because yeah. <laughs> it's around Essence Fest, so thank Turn you. Turn up. Yes. Stage. We're both illuminated, I feel yeah. like, like living living it up. Yeah. Um, so let's get into it. Sure. Um, with this podcast, the first question I like to ask everybody who comes on is... Tell me about your first, first job. My first job? Yes. I was a pizza girl, I guess is what you call it. I worked at Pudge Brothers Pizza in Dallas, Texas. Okay. I was 15. I started by working the cashier and the phones. Like, I mean, started the cash register and the phones, and I ended up just running the whole shop. At by fi- myself at 15 oh yes wow yeah because it was a small operation and the the guy who owned it had like a newborn and a, and a wife and he was kind of hapless okay <laughs> and truly i mean I, I can look back at it as an adult and understand just how um i mean he was a nice guy but he was just sort of like he, he, a, he threw his hands in the air as much as like, he really threw them in the air, but he did care. You see, yeah. and so he was just he he needed. So I I would see something in inefficiency and suggest something. And Wait, what is the? I I mean, you gotta, you gotta you're fifteen. The pizza so, I, but I I love that you can spot an inefficiency at you know. Oh with this yeah, own, that's like I was spotting inefficiencies that at is four. Boss. <laughs> I was like, wait, we could get there faster. We could do this in a better way, Mom. Do you, do you kind of remember an example of maybe when, like, uh, I don't know, 15? I mean, there's there are actually photographs of me in in junior high um, directing in, 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 in entire groups of students, like pointing where they should actually be standing for things and doing things. Yes. And I don't know. I've just, I've always been, um, uh, direct mm-hmm. and at, as a child bossy you know you can call it that that's yeah. fine i was i was that person um but it I, i'm a fan of logic mm. and i can get irritated if something is not logically playing out so uh I, at the same time you know that you would think i'd make a great engineer and engineering mind i'd yeah. be a great coder or something like that but i can't even uh set my like set Too my much. yeah i can't set the 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 vcr when there were vcrs okay, and i can't because i can't either yeah. i still can't but yeah i was just, i just like i like looking at problems and figuring out how do you solve that how do you make that or at least a little bit better okay so yeah. this kind of falls into play mm. but this discussion about you being 15 and you know being like boss moves at the pizza spot yeah. it reminds me of an anecdote i that I read um, about how you would go is it Costco and you would get mm. like candy. Yeah. And this was what in school? Third or grade. Something? That was third yes. grade. And it was actually Sam's because I was in Texas. Okay. But yes. Sam's Club is like Costco. Oh. And uh, I went, I remember, I still remember the like seeing the candy for the first time and understanding. So I went with my mom because she was getting, I don't know, 5,000 rolls of toilet paper or something like that. <laughs> As parents tend yes. to in these bulk stores. I mean, ooh, ooh, I mean you can't run a, out of toilet paper. Put a parent in a, in a bulk <laughs> store. Ooh. Yes. But uh, we um, we were there and I remember seeing, because I like those uh, fireballs. Okay. Which now, thinking about my dentist bill was just a horrible horrible choice as a child but i did like them and so i I was just kind of drawn to this giant 
clear uh, box of fireballs. And I was like, oh, that must cost a million dollars. Look at all these. Mm-hmm. And then it was like fourteen seventy five. Like, hold up. And then I, I did, it was like a hundred count. And I don't know what the real amount was, but I did the math really quickly. And I was like, wait a second. And this was, I was probably seven or eight. I was like, wait a minute, that is cheaper by unit than it is at the 7-Eleven near my house. Well, let's think about this. For so first, I thought, well, I'm going to have can- I'm going to have candy for the rest of my life <laughs> yeah, if I can convince my mom to buy this. There's no, and I will be because it's a discount. So yeah. let's go. And then I thought, wait a minute, people at school like candy too, and if I can give them a discount to 7-Eleven. But and then still make a profit. Wait a minute. Then I will be rich. And Mm -hmm. then it was this whole little process of like, because, you know, the origin of it really that I don't ever really talk about is I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and then I was born in Jackson, Mississippi. And in Jackson, Mississippi, where I would visit four times a year uh, car trip, every single time you go there, all the kids would get together and go over to the candy lady's okay. house. You know, there's a candy mm-hmm. lady. So she would open up her garage. She'd have all this. I wow. mean, if she was set. <laughs> I want to, I want to do a documentary yes. about this woman. I will find her one. Oh, I mean, wow. find her, her story one day. And, but she was the candy lady and you just knew that, you yeah. know, you had your stores and you would go up to red rooster and you do that, and, but you would okay. go to the candy lady first because she always had the good discounts. Okay. She had the interesting candy no overhead. So it was cheaper. Yes, it, and it was just, it was just, it was such part of my childhood and it was like the candy lady could do no wrong. She was just so wonderful, yeah. you know. And so I was like, I'm going to be the candy lady <laughs> at my school and it. make a profit. Well, how could you not? How could you not? How could you not? See? So then I spent the next few minutes convincing my mom of the... I was trying to give her a cut, but she didn't want one. Okay, okay, you know. Mom, okay, mom was like, you know what? You do your thing. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to uh, you testify about this in court of law. So, so I take it um, in high school in your teens, you are probably like you said, obviously very logical, but um, very direct, and very outspoken. Sometimes I okay. was, and I also I want to know more about your history with magazines your okay. love of zines because uh-huh. i remembered um the interlude interlude magazine yes. okay yes. <laughs> that, this is early this is an early situation <laughs> i want you all to know guys it's yes. early so interlude <laughs> magazine yeah and yeah. and um i was actually the editor of my yearbook in the eighth grade for the you know the, the top the top class in our school at the time was ninth grade. Okay. So I was the first eighth grade editor of the ninth grade wow. thing. I was so the first, I don't, I think moves. I may have been the first black woman, but I, I mean, black girl, but I don't know that yeah. uh, enough to say it, but I, I liked journalism and I liked um, stories and narrative and yeah. writing and all that. And so I, I was, I always picked up right on and word up and vibe yes. was my, vibe was my favorite. Oh, Just the writing was me so good. Too. Especially if you get like a Danielle Smith, yep. you know, like that. I, I, I found her on Twitter and, and, and tracked her down. But <laughs> Just like Stan. <laughs> yeah, if you get, you know, so I was just always a fan of magazines. And at the same time I was picking up right on, word up and vibe, I was picking up interview mm-hmm. i was picking up uh some british you know 100 page thick whatever and so i had all, i've always had all this different uh taste in music and taste in just culture and people and all sorts of things and so i one day when i was like 22 or 23 
So why isn't there a magazine that I can pick up and read and enjoy? And then my brother, who is a rapper in Dallas, can pick up and read and enjoy. enjoy. And um, and it just be an interesting because every it's, it all seemed like it had one theme. Most yeah. of the magazines that I read, and I thought, why don't we? Why don't we have a, a mag? I want a magazine that is as diverse and and perspective as my mind is yeah as my playlist yeah. is i'm sitting here shit like i'm interested in this because i definitely was a complete like magazine head and yeah i'm um, all the indies and i i definitely was the kid that was picking up the interviews and yeah. those like I, I remember being in the hallway of of my apartment where i was um, renting from this w- woman named Shayna. And I just said, I want to start a magazine. And she's like, okay, great. Okay. You, want, you want to pay your rent? Yeah. You want to pay your rent? Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Uh, so, so I just, I started, it t- I mean, it's, it's like saying, you know, so I built a car. I mean, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And it was just like the, starting the fund. Yeah. Um, but I started it and we, we, we published a few copies over the years and it was just a gorgeous I wonderful get my hands magazine. on a on a copy yeah there's you know only a few thousand of each were made okay. and they they sold out yeah. like all of them and so i have trouble getting copies these days it's been more it's been t- more than 10 years since the last issue was got made it. so but i you know i have a lot of friends and family who all got copies at the time okay. and because it was really wonderful and i often think about bringing it back but yeah. it did it did come with some scarring so mm, I can, I, yeah i may yeah, i may see. it may be too triggering to try it but it, what i may do one day is when i'm when i'm really settled and okay is is do like a tribute issue that would, be pretty that would focus on uh some of the founders that we have and and uh some of the people that have have been a part of my life and a part of culture for yeah. the last 10 years who are some people that um, in your space now with Backstage Capital that you yes. kind of look at as being inspirational? Um, I mean, I'm I tend to be more inspired by the founders mm-hmm. than a fellow investor, mm-hmm. because the investors that we're working with that have either come before way before me or are kind of in this class that we're that I'm in. We're all working really hard to 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 be part of a movement, yeah. you know, to change things. And and I talk about women and people of color when I'm saying that. Um, but the founders, there's some founders who I just feel like they're the reason I I get up in the morning and and do what I do, even yeah. even when it's hard, when it is difficult. And um, and there are 125 of them in my portfolio and in Backstage's portfolio. So I could list them in alphabetical order, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I have time, but I don't I know you got you got a day ahead of you. Yes. Yep. Backstage Capital. Yeah. Um, for those unfamiliar with the story, it's that in itself could be a series, a podcast series. It has and been. Yes. It has been a podcast been. series. Yeah. Can we talk about other podcasts? Yeah. Is that okay? We can talk about podcasts. Gimlet Media yes. has a podcast series called Startup. Yeah. And I was one of the um, seasons of it um, in 2018. So that does tell some of the story. Yeah. I remember, actually, I do remember listening to that because when we were doing, I think, the Essence Founders list, mm-hmm. I remember that was the motivation. Like, I was, I was doing that list and I remembered this was like, 
what a year and a half something like that ago i remember hearing that mm, yeah yeah it was, it was um yeah it was about it was last spring yeah 2018 so, and i'm trying to also think yeah, my timelines are all kinds all yeah. kinds of crazy on um, sunday morning but <laughs> i want to know more about what was the inspiration that like made you launch it because from what I understand you did go through a period it's a rough period where mm-hmm. you were homeless mm-hmm. and I think um just there aren't a lot of people out there who have the boldness and the you know the foresight the motivation mm-hmm. to launch what you did and to come from a space like that and to really keep going yeah so what was that like and how did you <laughs> and how did you go how did you go from that to you know essentially launching that project um yeah i mean i i'm 38 now and probably between 21 and 35 at various degrees of being homeless anyway yeah <laughs> i was already it, a lot of people th- hear that and they think oh either they think oh she she went homeless so that she could focus on this or something or that I was some sort of like couch surfer kind of for the summer <laughs> staying on your friends couches like with some sort of thing that Tiffany Haddish would star like, in like as nah. a, you know like the fun <laughs> like the nah. fun no nah, this one nah. not this one fun nah, bro. This nah, one nah, fun, well, so I've nah. never I've yeah. never slept under a bridge I've never and, and I did make a a pact with myself that I would never sleep outdoors in the elements because I knew that I don't think I could come back from that. I have a lot of resilience yeah. and a lot of fortitude, but I did not think I could come back from that mentally if I, w- but I've been, at, I've been at these breaking points for sure. And a lot of them happened in the, the 2012 to 2015 period mm-hmm. where I was building backstage. And I was just so, so inspired going back to the founders. I was so inspired by the f- people I w- was meeting and talking to these founders who several years ago, no one was writing think pieces about them. No one was, we weren't talking about it just like an entertainment. It was just, it was a, it was a quiet moment for it. There are people working on it, but it was just not being talked about. And so they were so inspiring to me that all I had to do in many situations was pull from them and just think of them and say, you know, does it, can I live in a world where they don't get to prosper? And Mm. I just couldn't, I just couldn't live with that. At least trying because I could say, at least I tried, I tried everything I could do. So, um, yeah, it was several years of, of not only, I think it was an insult to injury because it was not only being homeless or not having any food sometimes. Cause I was on food stamps for quite a while and then I ran out. So it was a lot of that. Right. It, it, and it was, it was that, but it was also at the same time, very rich people telling me that I could not do it. Mm. Or, you know kind of like that kicking that you while you're down yeah, yeah it was wow. sort of it was a really that was a weird kind of time and it's 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 a good thing that I like to study human behavior and it's a good thing that I have a sense of humor because both of those things help me kind of get through it yeah. so when you're in a, when you're in such a difficult situation and you can laugh at some of it like I laugh at like truly laugh at yourself and yeah. something like, wow, this is amazing that this man just <laughs> stepped on my neck. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. You can, you do that. <laughs> and you can also say, okay, the, 
I'm just going to observe how people treat me. Mm. I'm going to observe how people act when they're when they're desperate. I'm going to observe how I act when I'm in a seemingly desperate situation. And if you can reflect in that way, you can do that for a few years without going stir crazy and going mad. And that's what I did. So I don't know what would have happened if I had to do more years of it. I remember towards the end, towards like the summer 2015, when I came, I I did a, a mini tour. Um, but I remember coming back from that and being at the airport again, find, finding myself right back where I thought I'd never go again, sleeping on the floor. So, okay. So you would be at the airports. That Some was, of it was yeah. at the San Francisco airport, which I now, um, I'm sure it's, yeah, I land there. To, yeah. I la- well, so today I, I, I land there three or four times a month and I wow. coming off of my first class seat. Getting getting into the to the the SUV that is driving me to my five star hotel, and this was, so I'll be okay. And this was like all in the span of I mean, it's such a short time period where you're literally going from sleeping on the airport floor, yeah, to so the, first the, class. The time period that it happened, like that, that was a, that was a. I still build. I'm still building backstage, so it's, I still yeah. feel like I'm in it. It's a. It is. Uh, we have not made it yet. Yeah. Okay. But. It really was. There was a day in September 2015 where I went from having slept at, I was at a hotel that night. It was like we, my mom in in Houston, my aunt in Jackson, and me, we got together and put some money on one card. Yeah. And I stayed at a hotel <laughs> that night. And that next morning, I uh, got a yes mm. from my first investor who then wired the first amount of money of operational capital. And then I got on a plane to, to from Silicon Valley to L.A. And that's kind of was the last night I ever slept at the airport. And this wait, what year was this? It was September 2015. Got it. Wow. And so that going that was literally an overnight thing of now it's OK. Like because I knew that night yep. that I was it was a yes. Was a yeah. And then the morning I knew that we were going to handle it. But that was, you know, maybe 48 hours prior. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So that. That was um, that was the uh, if you've ever seen Castaway. Yeah, that was like Wilson. the boat. Wilson. Yeah, that was the boat ride. <laughs> that was a little makeshift boat ride where you like wake up and like, oh, there's people. Wow. No, spoiler alert. <laughs> sorry, guys. Yeah. Sorry. If you haven't seen it yet. I'm so, so sorry. There was a little moment just maybe a minute ago when you were talking about backstage and you said that we haven't made it yet. Yes, we have not. What what will make you feel like you made it? Um. When I'm turning down capital rather than walking towards it. Yeah. Because that will happen. I know that will happen as clear as I knew that we would invest in 100 companies by 2020. And then we ended up investing in by 2018. I knew that would happen as clear as I knew that black women uh, deserve more than the crumbs. Mm -hmm. And when it came to investment. So I know that um, in a certain time period, which I believe will be by the end of 2020. That we will be in a position where we are no longer accepting capital from people who weren't already there. Yeah. And it'll be because of a few things that have, you know, played out with our traction, with our uh, reputation and with the ecosystem at large. And we're not there yet because we still have to. um, It's not like, you know venture funds have to raise constantly that's just mm-hmm. the business of it that's it's the not, model it's an endless yeah it's so all, it's yeah. not like i'm saying we'll just be 
<laughs> we'll be, we don't have to work. That's yeah. not making it to me. The, there is a, there, the, what we're in, the position that we're in right now is that we have to work 10 times as hard for every penny, mm. just like our founders. We, it, it took me uh, 16 months to raise $1.2 million from the, t- from the, it took me four years to raise that. Yeah. But from the, from the I first check of 25,000 in September, 2015 to reaching 1.2 million in December, 2016, that was a, a 16 month period. Mm-hmm. I have raised 1.2 million in the last month. Okay. So it changed, you know, it changes. I don't think you saw, our, like, I don't know if you saw <laughs> our producer, <laughs> Claudia Lopez sitting here, her eyes just like lit up <laughs> and, and I was trying to contain myself too. But, I, I mean, but I, still, I, yeah. I am absolutely not saying that as a mic drop because, yeah. because honestly think about, it, it's like when you think about your rate, if you're a consultant, you think about your rate and people might say, why is your rate so high? Your rate isn't well, because of the 60 minutes that you're giving to a client. It's for the 60 months of training that you just did so my point is to get to the point now where i have been able to to kind of change that time period of what i raise it's still crumbs because while i was raising 1.2 in the last month my white male counterpart was raising 12 or 120 yeah you see so I'm going to recognize I'm not going to play this card of like, woe is me. I'm going mm-hmm. to recognize that it has gotten better for me because I've made it so which is I've good. worked for that. And so I understand, OK, in a year and a half, it'll be a different story yeah. just because I've been able to. Again, I'm an, I'm an observer, so I'm watching it while it's happening to me. I'm understanding. And I and I think that a lot of that has to do with just the. The, the incredible work that the backstage team does yeah. on a day-to-day basis. You got to, your team is, oh, <laughs> your yeah. team is fire. I've it, been um, keeping track of, you know, everything that they've been doing since I learned about you a little while ago. And I don't think um, enough people really talk about the support that they have behind them. Oh yeah. You know, and it's, it's, yeah. it's a team effort. And can you talk just briefly um, about Who's supporting you, like um, just in your life, what people are around you and keeping you motivated and just in general. Yeah. <laughs> so so my mom, I bring her a lot of places. And now, I mean, I, I we we joke a lot with each other because we've always used humor. That was our kind of link. Mm-hmm. But I'm honestly, I will be walking into a situation that's like a tech event where you know people seemingly would know who who i am or whatever yeah. and i'll go in and i'll be like yeah how you doing and someone will just light up just light up <laughs> and just arms open i'm like it's cool it's, it's okay cool. and they're just beeline it to my mom yes. i mean they are they could they push me <laughs> just push me over to the side mrs sims oh and i'm God. just like oh i have created a monster yes, mom and she is here just just it. just takes it so i i take her with me because as i said and i've said this in the past if she was with me in the hotel room and if she was with me at the be- like the best western yeah and she was with me in the car when we slept in the car yeah and she was right with me she's going to be with me right. at the four seasons and she's going to be with me uh as she loves to talk about at, in greece and she's going to be with me 
along the way. So mm-hmm. she supports me and, uh, and everybody can relate to this. She keeps me as humble as good as you can possibly get yeah you're <laughs> like she's it's, you're very just from opening the door and you just you know you're super oh. chill well, and, oh, that's mom yeah like and it's also <laughs> you know what it is it's also um having just been like we talked about just been somewhere else yeah there is you know and i i i've been this way my whole life just you just treat people the way you want to be treated it's just the way it is and especially knowing what what my life could be yeah still still so it's my mom because she just she keeps it real with me and she's just so joyful mm-hmm. when she's not yelling at me <laughs> she's just such she just mom looks, still gotta be mom she looks at the world with the child's eye and she got to meet beyonce's mom yesterday oh my gosh, she met tina she did she and she Ashley so she up. does things like that and i just watch her watch her do that and she's just like as if she's known her for 12 20 years and it's just really wonderful to watch and then i have a fiance her name is anna mm-hmm. uh it's really anna but i'm texan and I say that yeah she's german <laughs> and i'm texan and I, her name uh, her name is anna and yeah. uh she she's like she you know germans are super logical mm-hmm. so that's why so you works. guys connect right oh, yes. like yeah yes and she's more logical than i am i'm yeah. i'm a dreamer yeah so she she really keeps keeps me like you know one Bubbles. foot on the ground head in the sky that's that's head in the clouds that's how i like to be and so she is um anytime someone makes me feel small or anytime my ego which is wrapped up in just insecurity mm-hmm. takes over and I see it happening. I'll I'll reach out to her because she she lives in Germany until a few weeks from now. She'll live in L.A. with me. Ah, yeah, dang it, we can't talk about yeah. that. Okay, we can we talk about that all day long. <laughs> I don't mind. But when, I'll reach out to her and I'll just I'll lay out what happened. Like this this person said this to me. Yeah, and, and that's needed. Though. And like, I'll say what I'll say. Talk me down. What should I? Yeah. Choose? and she'll say okay. And then she'll just give me the best advice you've ever heard in your life. Mm-hmm. And she'll just make me feel 10 times better. And then I'll come around and I'll put my Cardi B on and I'm like, you're going to yeah. run up on who and do what? what? Come on, <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I'm ready to face the day again. Yes, you're good. And that's, that's it. And, and, and then the team at Backstage. So yeah. Christy Pitts, um, who, is, who is my investment partner. And just every, everyone at, at Backstage, you know, we, we have a wonderful group and each of them is just so talented in their own way and i like to say we hire people who um like each of them found us right mm-hmm. so they were drawn to the culture and they were drawn to what we could be and we go, the, yeah we yeah. go through a lot of ups and downs financially and sure. so we have people who are just you know you can see their fortitude on a daily basis and their loyalty and you know and also always say you know go somewhere that's a little bit safer (laughs) if you ever need to but you see sort of like you know they're there for the whole movement not just for that paycheck or just that day or something um but i always say that we it looks like we hire for people it seems like every one of them could start their own fund Mm. and that's to me is really exciting they're it's you well i i think they're and the the mission it seems like it yeah like that's yeah I mean, you know, you could say it's me, but when you're when you spend a lot of time with someone, mm-hmm. even someone that you just adore, mm-hmm. 
you get to see good and bad and ups and downs yeah. and you kind of get tired like Michelle was talking I'm yesterday about chewing about, yeah, well yeah she was like, <laughs> I, just, she was like, I just share that clip yeah. on social media it's my yeah. favorite so you but. so it I think it, it's never just about one person. It yeah. may be a draw for mm-hmm. sure. It could be a draw because whatever. But I think it's really the people that have been around for a while. They're like, oh, Arlen. Oh, yeah. I'm sh- I mean, look, <laughs> I, like I get it. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much you love your boss. Yeah. Everybody at some point, every there's cracks in everything. Yeah. Everybody's going to get on everybody's nerves. It's yeah. like family. So this but, is about this yeah. is where I it, truly see it's about everyone who is at backstage and who Mm -hmm. has been through backstage and gone on to wonderful positions after that they were there for their time and are here for their time because of these founders definitely yeah the founders are you (laughs) i know i'm like i'm like nope no that's the humbleness that's the humbleness i mean i'm just being true i'll take i'll take one like yeah believe me i'll take it when (laughs) when i I believe i did it i'll I'll definitely because i what i what i take is the credit for is the vision of seeing what backstage could be because yes. i don't think any of this was an accident it, there was too much work that went into it mm-hmm. and i was saying it i was saying the blueprint i said it i said it in the dear white venture capitalist mm-hmm. uh blog that i posted in 2015 the summer i laid out exactly what one should do if they wanted to move the needle and then i did it, did it. so i'll take that credit and i'll take the credit for being someone who who i think i have good taste so um finding people and, and and attracting people and then understanding what their strengths are and understanding uh what my weaknesses are i try really hard to do that <laughs> and i think i have good taste in people mm. but other than that like when i back up from that so i can choose really awesome founders and i can choose really awesome teammates and then let them do their thing yeah because the those, the the bad stuff happens when i try to do too much when i try to make too many decisions or step in too much I like to make decisions that are really high, like really high impact, important yeah. decisions, because I do like to, I think the buck stops with me. Okay. And so sometimes I have to make really tough decisions yeah. that don't make me very popular Yeah. and, boss. or that are confusing to people. And I don't just mean internally. I mean, in, just in general, some people from the outside will say, well, why did you do that? Or why are you building your company this way? Or why are you saying this thing at this time? And they don't understand the, that I'm five steps ahead. Yeah. You have to be. Yeah. So I like to ask two questions typically for everybody that's on the podcast. Okay. Yeah. I think you kind of answered one of them already though. Sure. Um, I first I want to know what does the word embossed mean to you? And second, I want to know, tell me about a woman who's embossed that admires you and motivates you. And I feel like it's Janet Jackson and your mama. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like I don't know. I don't I'm not familiar with this term. Yeah, I mean, what it's is embossed. Where does it come from? So embossed um, is very much. I was very inspired by the late great Shirley. Mm-hmm. And her campaign slogan, it was all about being unbossed and unbought. Okay. And oh, I see you saying. Yeah. I see. So I, um, I kind of pitched this idea to do just a podcast where I'm yeah. talking to women who I perceive as being unbossed. Yeah. And I can't, you know, you're so the have... very definition of that for mm. me. So, you know, what is when you think of the word unbossed, when you think of women who um, are out here making it happen mm-hmm. and kind of in their own lane 
unapologetic. Now I'm getting to my definition. <laughs> but I, works I for me. Know, when you think of if the word embossed and what it means to be um independent and all mm-hmm. like what does that mean to you? It sounds like it is untethered. Mm. You're not anybody's you're not a slave to any person or any entity mm-hmm. or any state of mind or mindset. That's what it sounds like to me. And yeah, you, you said it. My mom is definitely one of those. Cause she's <laughs> I mean, you just, can say someone she, else too, but no, I'll, I'll sounds go back like to her. She, does, she, she dances to her, the, the beat of a different drum, you know, her own yeah. drum. And that's just, that's what that is. Um, someone who has options and, and uh, I, yeah, I, I think there's so, there's so many of us and I feel, I feel untethered. Because I, um, I definitely have people to answer to. Mm-hmm. I definitely have people to answer to. And th- those are our founders. Yep. They're also, uh, to some degree, my teammates. And I say to some degree because I don't have them answering to me. So I don't necessarily think that we, you know, had that. But our founders are our customers. And so I, I answer to them. Some degree I answer to our, our investors. But. Um, some degree some degree I love this face the smirk <laughs> it's, it's just yeah. true because they knew what they were getting into like they're limited partners and that's what it is and we're in a, we're you know hopefully i'll make them more wealthy more. than they already are yeah. um but yeah i think it's anyone who just who says you know i'm no longer um going to just settle like i came for the cake not the crumbs i'm no mm-hmm. longer going to settle for the status quo or what you think i should i'm supposed to have yeah. or or what you deem okay for me to have or to hand over to me that's just i i left that a long time ago can you say that again and that's a perfect place to end i came for the cake i'm definitely uh quoting a rapper crumbs. that i don't know but i came well, for the cake not the crumbs all right thank you so much yep. arlen Today, I have Christy Martin-Rodriguez, leader of the Nationwide Retirement Institute, and Valicia Butterfield-Jones, a tech exec and the CEO of the Women in Entertainment Empowerment Network. Welcome to the podcast, ladies. Thank you. (laughs) So before we dive into everything, um, Christy and Valicia, can you both kind of just dig into what you do, what your day-to-day is with your current roles? Um, Valicia, do you want to start first? Sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, Again, I'm Belisha, and I serve as the co-founder and the chief executive officer of the Women in Entertainment Empowerment Network, also known as WEEN. And I'm also the global head of community inclusion for Google. And I do a lot of things. uh, But more importantly, I think, you know, equity for all is something that's a laser focus for me. And over the last 20 years, uh, a really intentional focus on women, especially women of color and black women. And so uh, really excited to be here and joining you both. I'm excited to dig into this conversation. Um, But before we do that, Christy, you up. 
<laughs> For sure. Yes. Thank you again. So I have the distinct pleasure and honor uh, to be the leader of the Nationwide Retirement Institute. And essentially at the core, this is where we're focused on how do we empower individuals to prepare and live in retirement. And I take that very seriously um, because we li- really dig into what are diverse markets doing around the space. And really, there's a keen effort in talking about issues that are going to be important that leads you into living your best life financially mm. and also in your well-being. So we focus on areas like health care, um, look at retirement income, and a plethora of different things for individuals to make sure that they have a secure life in their most vulnerable years. Yeah. I mean, we were kind of chatting, Belisha, a little before <laughs> you came in, but um, I feel like retirement, it's just this thing that everybody goes through if, you know, if they're lucky and they're fortunate, but we never talk about until, Correct. you know, much later in life. So that's amazing, both of you, especially the work you do. Um, I like to ask everyone the same question when they come on, but tell me about your very first, first job. Christy? Sure. So I'm chuckling because I'm thinking about my very first job. And I won't say I was paid under the table. I'll say I got an alternative (laughs) method of payment. (laughs) My very first job was when I was at the age of 11 working at a flower shop um, for what was the first African-American and only African-American flower shop owned in Saginaw, Michigan named Artie. And so I love that job. Um, It was just it was an exciting opportunity at the age of 11, as you can imagine. I got paid daily $30. (laughs) Yes, at 11. 11. No matter how many hours I worked, she always gave me $30 cash. (laughs) And so it was a really exciting job to have it. And I kept it for about a year and a half. Wow. That's amazing. How many days a week were you working? Two days. So I walked away with $60. Yes. I'm like, like, go ahead now. Um, (laughs) And Felicia, what was your very first job? Tell me about that. You know, it's funny. I am a hip hop baby and I'll never forget uh, moving to Atlanta, freshman at uh, Clark Atlanta University, 18 years old. And I was obsessed at the time. Keep in mind, this was 1996 with Wu-Tang Clan. Yes. And I walked five (laughs) miles to their office, gave my best elevator pitch, and they hired me on the spot for a full-time role. (laughs) What? I love it. I worked for Wu-Tang for many years as a college freshman. How old were you? again? 18. 18. Wow. Yes. That's a pretty big deal. I definitely was um, a Wu-Tang kid, too. So. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> big, big time. Like, I had, like, Method Man um, posters on my locker. <laughs> my teachers did, like, they tried. It was it was a lot, but I, I, I very much connect to that. Same. Um, so, I want to know more about, you know, from these first jobs you guys had when you were 11 and 18. Tell me about your trajectory. How did you get to be where you are now? Um, Valisha, do you want to start with that? I want to know more about just how you got to be in this role, especially, you know, um, D&I with Google um, in terms of all of these amazing things that you're doing with Ween. Um, Can you detail that for me? Sure. I'll I'll first just say that my career has been beyond my wildest dreams. Uh, I grew up in a little town um, in the 80s, you know, divided by railroad track, all the things. And, you know, we were told that we could be lawyers, doctors or teachers if we got out. And those were our options. And so I can honestly say this been this beautiful, unexpected uh, test of my own faith um, and belief in myself. And so, you know, I started out, I mentioned before, working in the entertainment 
entertainment business for Wu-Tang and HBO, made a hard pivot to the Alzheimer's Association where I landed a national DNI role. And that was in part because my grandmother was uh, struggling with the disease, Alzheimer's at the time, and then landed in the Obama administration. And uh, through it all, I looked back at the end of President Obama's second term and I felt really proud of the work that I'd done. And I was like, but what about me? And what am I going to do next? And technology was really the the thread through it all. And I didn't realize it when I was going through each of those industries, but I really realized that technology was the connector of people and made the world smaller. And it really, I believe, is going to be the way that we disrupt uh, some of the systemic uh, issues that we're dealing with um, as a community. And so uh, that's what drove me to apply for a role in tech and eventually to land one. And it's now been almost four years and quite honestly, one of the most rewarding uh, roles that I've ever had. That's amazing. And um, I also just love the idea of this industry you're in being the disruptor and also Mm -hmm. the connector, you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. for all of us. Um, But I do have a question about when you made that pivot from Wu-Tang and HBO to (laughs) Alzheimer's, what I mean, what kind of you said that it was um, a relative grandmother that kind of pushed you in that, that direction. But what weren't you prepared for? Because it sounds like a pretty big leap, right? Yeah, I think, you know, to be really honest with you, and I think that's what we should do when we have conversations like this, um, a part of it was I realized that I needed to diversify my own portfolio and resume in order to have the chops I would need to go to the next level. Mm. And so a part of it, yes, was my grandmother. But another part of it was, okay, if I want to be taken seriously as a businesswoman, I have to diversify my own background and experience. And so that was a big part of the departure. No one understood it at the time. I had this sexy title and, you know, red carpets and all of the things um, on the front end of the work. And on the back end of the work, I had done, you know, a lot of good work. But I knew I had to pivot then to reinvent myself and stay relevant and continue to propel myself forward. So that's it was really strategic, to be honest with you. And um, while misunderstood, glad I did. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Noted. So, I mean, it was a a necessary pivot, really. Yes. Yes. That's amazing. Um, Christy. Sure. I'm just (laughs) listening and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can see such a parallel path. I would describe my career trajectory really in three words. I would say it's fearless, Mm -hmm. relentless, and fateful. Mm. And so even when I think back to that first job at age 12, I I mentioned this earlier, you know, I was working for the first and only African-American owner of a flower shop. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. in Saginaw. It's Saginaw, yes. I know know, know Saginaw. Exactly, very well. (laughs) (laughs) So you know. And to me, just having someone that was such a role model to show me creative, but also business, Mm -hmm. propelled my interest. And so where I'm thinking we have a parallel path is when I attended Hampton University, went in, had the best time of my life, and I tell everyone... (laughs) I am a different world prodigy. Uh, I applied to two colleges and both of them were HBCUs and I I couldn't get into a Hillman. So I went to Hampton (laughs) University um, and really enjoyed myself. And just after sophomore year, I decided I wanted to just take a break 
moved to New York City. Mm-hmm. And similar, I uh, applied for two internships, got one at Def Jam. I was unpaid, though, wow. so it was nothing really sexy about <laughs> being an unpaid intern. And this was around This when? was when? around, this was 1993. Wow. So that was just like at the... At the peak. peak. At wow. the peak. And so just, you know, there was a time, and I was very much encouraged, you know, um, from the individuals at Hampton, like, hey, you know what, if you don't want to do this career path in school... Take a year off. And so I have very supportive parents, um, you know, that said, okay, you can take it off, but you need to earn the money to get out there and do it. And so when I talk about those three things about being fearless, that was my first kind of step out on faith and and really to say, I want to move into um, an unorthodox path in terms of business. So very similar. You get to not having a paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Not Not cute. cute. Not cute at all. Definitely on your resume. Yeah, yeah. Especially at that age. At that age, cute. No paycheck. Right, not not cute. cute. So then, you know, you're doing side jobs. And then that's when I decided, you know, I'm going to return back to Hampton, my home by the sea, uh, (laughs) with all of my supportive network and major in finance. Mm -hmm. And it was probably the smartest strategic move I made. And it was at the advice of my father because I always wanted to be in marketing. And he said, Christy, if it's intuitive, still going to finance because it's always important to understand how money is made. So took that advice, graduated, um, started off in the banking industry and then quickly pivoted to healthcare um, and had a number of jobs within the healthcare sector. And what I found um, just leading into that, Marquita, and even in my job today is I've always focused on jobs that have been mission-driven. So even in healthcare, I had an opportunity to, again, to do a plethora of things. I worked on the Affordable Care Act. I was able to do multicultural marketing. Okay, this is between, you know, Alicia and, like, um, what is it, like, working for... Alzheimer's. Yes. Um, um, what was it? Working for the Obama campaign and just, I, just little. There's a lot of parallels. A lot of, lot of parallels. <laughs> and my most exciting job, I tell everyone, when I worked in healthcare, was leading this initiative called Diabetes Prevention and Control, where we worked with underserved individuals through YMCA's throughout the country to help them change their diet mm. to propel their health and to reverse diabetes or being pre-diabetic. And for me, it became a personal passion because so many individuals look like me. Mm-hmm. So again, going back to that mission-driven, fast forward in 2015, uh, moving to a role at Nationwide and equally excited mm-hmm. because now I'm like, wow, I can empower individuals to focus on their financial well-being. Yeah. And so those, you know, bringing those two aspects together has really propelled me and just, like I said, at the core, been part of being relentless. But I would have to say I have definitely had a roller coaster. <laughs> um, it's been ups and downs in, in terms of waves and opportunities. But the one thing I've always done is stepped out on faith and said, you know what, at least I'm going to try it. Uh, Yeah, and I'm going to keep growing and very much to that expansion of being a full businesswoman. I knew that I needed to do that. I love that. I love those. Say it again. Yep. It's fearless. Fearlessness, faithfulness, and relentless. Mm. Yeah. Take a note. (laughs) Um, So I'm assuming along, you know, this trajectory, this path that you both have taken, that maybe you've had, um, I'm hoping at least, maybe a little mentorship, a little guidance here and there. Valisha, did you happen to have any experiences with mentorship? Sure. I have 
still uh, a few mentors that I've had now for 15 or 20 years that are still to this day. Um, so I have um, really valued the mentors in my life. And, you know, now, you know, I think as I've evolved and they've evolved, you know, sometimes they joke that they shouldn't be my mentor anymore, that I should be theirs. <laughs> but but I don't, you know, I, I just believe that we're always students and always need that that added support and partnership. And, and I make sure that I do the same in return. But what I will say is that sponsorship is also something that um, as I've grown in my career has also been really valuable. So, you know, those folks that will vouch for you in the room when you're not there. And so, you know, certainly mentorship and sponsorship has been uh, such a key uh, part of my life. Can I ask, how did you, um, can you tell me about your first mentor? How did you get that mentor? And also what, you know, what was it about that person that made you say, okay, I want to be taken under her or his wing? So my very first mentor was Kevin Lyles. Um, who, Come on, Kevin. <laughs> love Kev. Be more Kev, um, who was the former um, CEO of Def Jam and, uh, you know, now has uh, his own very successful business. And uh, Kevin was my first mentor. And it was so interesting because I started out working for Rush Communications, uh, also as an unpaid intern and kind of worked my way up around the same time. I think it was 93. Wow. Good. Wow. You guys, this <laughs> is so wow. funny. Y'all got to get together and have, you know, <laughs> a chat. And, yeah. I know. And, you know, I just worked my way up. I remember feeling very um, invisible, which is really what you're supposed to be as an unpaid intern. Just not seen, not heard. You just do the work. And I'll never forget Kevin pulled me aside one day and just really dropped a few keys um, and tools for me to just think differently about how I approached the internship and it paid off. I, you know, worked my way up to senior vice president. But what I'll say is that Kevin now to this day is my my mentor, uh, but I changed the way that he mentors in my life. So I don't call or ask for coffee and sit down once a quarter to have conversations because he's busy and I'm busy, but it's almost like a lifeline. Whenever I get stuck, whenever I have a question that I can't answer or a problem that I cannot solve, I now go to Kevin, for example, just to give me like the 10 minute masterclass on how to navigate through and it's never, ever failed. So shout out to Kevin for being such a consistent mentor that i mean i love that i also love that iconic name drop right 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 <laughs> just like, yeah. you know my first one like kevin louds you know <laughs> that's amazing though it's true um, i it's think true. it's it's also very interesting that you guys you know of course this was your starting out around 93 but you're still in contact and you still have mm -hmm. a solid relationship and i think that's that's pretty amazing um what about you christy what about mentorships mentorships mentors I, mentors yes. so you want me to talk about my first mentor your first or? mentor i would say my first mentor was a gentleman true mentor by the name of steve Auerbach, okay. and he was an executive vice president at united healthcare um, and the reason why I pick him as being a true mentor is I've had several people, you know, that looked like me growing up that, you know, poured into me, that supported me. But this was the first individual I reached out to that was vastly different mm -hmm. um, and, you know, really took me under their wings and really cultivated my leadership style. Mm. And so I credit him. And, and when you asked the question earlier, I thought about how did I get to him? So I learned a, yes. a sneaky secret early <laughs> in my career that I tell everyone I can get in contact with. If you have someone that's a senior leader, email them on a Friday evening or a Saturday 
Yes. Their, their, their admin will not intercept it. <laughs> and, and that's literally what I did is I emailed him on a late Friday evening saying, I've admired you from afar. I think you're a phenomenal leader. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whatever time you can give with me. And everyone is usually very flattered when you say things like yeah. that. And what started off as a one-time conversation, because I was prepared um, as a mentee for him, yep. and I showed him and I took that initiative, we started meeting monthly. Mm. And to this day, Wow. And this has started, um, our relationship started back in 2002. Okay. And to this day, he tracks my success. He reaches out. He's, he's always telling me how proud I am. He's like, one day I can't wait to work for you. But to me, it was the first time I, I pivot that in my mind mm-hmm. because that was the first time I really stepped out and said, I want to be mentored and coached and developed by someone who has a completely different view on life. Very important. To give me a diverse uh, standpoint. So you did mention something about um, being prepared Correct. as a mentee. Um, and I'm wondering, I'm assuming, you know, both of you ladies in your careers and you have had all of the success that you often get people, you know, hitting you up, wanting exactly. to be, you know, a mentee, wanting you to mentor them. Um, what advice do you have for women who are seeking mentors and how they can be prepared as a mentee, so to speak? Felicia, you want to you wanna take this? Sure. So, so I think for me, I think, you know, the first thing is remembering that the mentors that you seek are human. And sometimes we forget that they, too, have, you know, um, areas that they need to grow in their career. So I always, um, you know, encourage someone looking for mentorship to see the win-win and the mutual benefit to the relationship. And so that means, you know, whenever you have the conversations, one, always being prepared, knowing exactly what you want to take away from that conversation. Uh, But then second, offering, you know, how you can add value to that person that, you know, is also investing their time in you. And so that's one. Um, The second is that's part of why I created the organization WEAN, because I realized that mentorship is so important in our growth as women. And so, you know, I wanted to be able to scale uh, the mentorship that I had in my life uh, to reach more women. And so, um, you know, certainly I think that it's important to, you know, really just think about, you know, what you want to get out of the relationship. And it's not, um, you know, Oh, an opportunistic thing, but it really is a partnership and making sure that you're taking advantage of of the time that that person is investing. Um, the final thing, though, that I'll say is, you know, it's one thing to have mentorship. It's a sec- It's another thing to know how to actually apply it and for it to for mentorship to work. And so I think that, you know, one of the things that I always encourage young people to ask for in their mentor is, you know, would you be willing to endorse me? Would you be willing to recommend me and just having a letter that they write on your behalf or that you write for them that they sign on your behalf so that you can always use that in any interview or opportunity that you have? It's kind of like an evergreen tool that that mentorship can provide to you right away so you don't have to always call when you need something because time is tight. But just being able to have those tools as a result of that relationship that you can carry forward. I mean, all of those things and what I love um, that was just mentioned is that also teeters on the mentorship and sponsorship. 
sponsorship. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so the one thing I always encourage um, young individuals is understand that every mentor you have won't be a sponsor. <laughs> and yes. you have in sponsorship, if I can underscore this, has yeah. to be earned. Asking for that recommendation has to be earned. And so I love the point of, yes, being prepared is the most important. I tell everyone, before I meet with you, um, at least 24 hours in advance, if we're going to meet in a mentorship capacity, I want to know your agenda. That's right. And it's not so much that, you know, I'm pushing them to be ready, but it's also helping me say, I may not be the best mentor for you. I may want to bring someone else into the conversation. So I cannot understate enough the being prepared um, because sometimes you enter in a relationship thinking you are going to achieve one thing and that person can deliver something else. But more importantly, you know, what I would encourage young people do is not to confuse mentorship and sponsorship. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it will come naturally um, if you're doing what you need to do. But I think a lot of times, uh, and I I can say this, I have two teenage daughters, um, you know, the expectations of how things should happen and how quickly um, are different. So I just encourage them, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like, prove yourself first. Yeah. (laughs) And then, you know, certainly people will be more than willing um, to bend over and to support and sponsor you in those rooms and speak on your behalf when you're not there. So we've talked about this on the podcast a little, like the differences between, you know, having an advocate and a mentor and Mm -hmm. a sponsor. But I want and you guys have kind of both tapped into some of what some of those differences are. But can one of you just kind of dig into for those that don't really fully understand and maybe they didn't listen to one of them last episodes. um, Can you kind of dig into what the difference is between um, a mentor and a sponsor is, so to speak? Sure. I'll start off and please tell me if I miss anything. I feel like a mentor (laughs) is someone you can have in every area of your life. Um, And it's someone that you can bounce ideas off of. You heard the example I gave with Steve, one that we said with Kevin Lyles. So there's some, there are going to be people in your life that are going to mentor you in various capacities. And so I even encourage people create that circle of five. Mm. So create that five. They can be peer. And that five, you should have a peer mentor, someone who's on your level who can encourage you, okay. someone who's perhaps outside your industry um, that can encourage you and mentor you and you grow. And so those are relationships that you show up. And to the earlier point, you give as much as, you know, you bring something to the table, but you're also looking for them to seek advice. Yeah. In my mind, a sponsorship is someone who is in a position that can change the trajectory of your career. They're the ones that are saying, Christy should get this stretch assignment. Marquita should really take on this next role. And I've been very fortunate, even in my career now, I was just sharing with one of my colleagues yesterday that that's essentially what happened when I moved into this role. I'm like, I'm a marketing person. How dare I ever (laughs) step off in leading this institute team? And it took a gentleman who tapped me on the shoulder and said, I've been mentoring you, you. Now I'm sponsoring you for this opportunity. And I think you can do it. And it's so important to have representation of someone who looks like you yeah. that speaks in this industry. And so I do think those relationships can cultivate, but I just, again, I want to just underscore the importance that sponsorship isn't something that you show up and you get because you have a mentor. Yeah. It's a, it's an area where you prove yourself um, in order to get that that right. And if you're lucky and you did the mentoring right, then Correct. that mentor will become a sponsor. Or will introduce you to <laughs> your sponsor. You. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Felicia, did you have anything to add? No, I think Christy nailed it. I would just, you know, underscore that, you know, for mentorship, I've always, well, I've usually seen the most value in someone either at my peer level or a few steps further along than someone that's super senior. Um, I think, you know, having that kind of 
proximity to, you know, the next step of your career has a lot of value and, and fully agree on sponsorship, being that person that can really open up doors and 10x uh, those opportunities for you. Um, so let's switch gears a little bit. Considering how far both of you have, you know, gone in your careers and the level of success you've had and all the work that you're doing, I want to talk about legacies. How important is building a legacy to you, whether that's for your family or for your peers? Is this something that you think about? Is it something that, you know, when you go into, um, when you make certain moves in your career, is this something that you think about, the legacies that you leave behind? Felicia, you want to you wanna start or? Sure. Uh, legacy is something that is very important to me. Um, I've kind of called it legacy living. Um, I think about, you know, the legacy of my parents and grandparents, just for example, though. Um, both of my parents are elected officials from the state of North Carolina. My grandfather was the first black black elected official in North Carolina in our district um, at, at the time also. And, you know, while legacy is something that's very important to me and something that I'm carrying forward in my life and in my family, I'm a mom of two young boys. Um, it's also something that I would never want to pressure my kids into taking a certain track, if that makes sense. And so I really believe that legacy is about opening doors, creating a solid foundation for future generations and our families to build on, uh, but also giving them the freedom to still dream and think about, you know, what are the things that they want to accomplish? And so, you know, legacy is something that I deeply value. Um, I think about all the time, the sacrifice of not only our parents and our families, but just our ancestors. I love Unbossed being the name of this podcast. <laughs> I think about Shirley Chisholm yes. and just the doors that she opened to make even this conversation possible. And so um, legacy is definitely um probably the most important way that I anchor my decisions in business, my personal decisions in life. And it also brings a lot of freedom when you think about, you know, just being able to think unapologetically about what you want for your life, what you want to build and design for yourself and accomplish. And so um, I think it all boils down to how I measure it and the impact. Like, what is the footprint that we want to leave behind? How many lives are we going to impact as a result of our work? And what do we want our legacy to be when we're no longer here? And so, you know, those are the, a few of the ways that I measure my own impact and making sure that I'm, you know, giving back and pouring back into the legacy that my parents have started to set. Valicia, can I ask what the last point you made, um, what is the legacy that you want to leave behind when people think back? It, I guess this is a bit of a morbid question, but I mean, I want to know more about you personally and what you, you know, the work you're doing now and how you would like that to be framed. No, it's perfect timing. I was in a um, near fatal car accident two months ago. And I've been thinking, uh, thank you. And I've been thinking a lot about that lately. And for me, the benchmark, right? Like the the thing that I want to leave behind if when it's all said and done is that I was able to empower every single woman within my reach to use her voice and, and to accomplish her dreams without fear. And so that's it. Um, and I really, you know, I'm proud of the work that I've done to to move that needle forward, but the work's not done. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if I could empower every woman within my reach uh, to go after her dreams and to do it fearlessly, that would be it. That's amazing. Awesome. Um, and the work you write is never done. No. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and Chrissy, what about you and Legacy? Yeah. I'm kind of wondering, too, if you have a different 
take on it, especially with the work you do and, you know, focusing so much on retirement and um, health and wellness and things like that. You might, I just wondered in particular if, if these are things that kind of, I don't go through your head when you're thinking about your legacy, especially for your kids. No, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I thought the last answer was just phenomenal. I, when I think about legacy, though, I think about it almost daily. Yeah, I'll be very honest. Um, and from a couple of different standpoints, I look, I keep on my phone, um, my grandmother, a picture of her last job she had when she retired in 1977. Wow. And she was only making $4 an hour cleaning hospital rooms. And so for me, it is a reminder every day. I think I'm having a rough day. Yeah. I think about mm -hmm. the sacrifice. I think about both sets of my grandparents moved up in the great migration from yeah. Alabama and Arkansas. Um, for a better life for their family in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I just, I constantly think about that. And I'm proud because my parents were the first ones um, in both sides of the family to get their PhD. Wow. Uh, and so, and I, I shared with some folks, even at Essence in 1976, my mom was featured as an Essence woman and she had the opportunity right. to talk about her dream job. And now <laughs> I, I feel like it's, it's coming full circle. And I, and I too, us. yes, yes. She showed me, she was like, it was only 75 cents back then to get a, an Essence. <laughs> Yes. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> um, but what for me, uh, you know, I, I think it, family and just um, my strong, proud, you know, African-American heritage in yeah. itself just makes me feel like legacy is important. But when you ask the question, uh, how does that equate to what I do? It's so important yeah. uh, because we forget sometimes we have not been part. We, the collective uh, African-American group around wealth. Speak on it. Yeah, wealth and equality <laughs> and wealth equality. And I wish, you know, as, as smart as my parents were, we never sat around the table and I understood how to balance, you know, what, what, how do I even invest? Like yeah. I knew how to balance a checkbook, yep. but in terms of investments and growth and generational wealth. And so that's what I want to instill in my daughters. Mm -hmm. You know, it's beyond having the latest trends, but it's about how are you going to create sustainable wealth that gives you the freedom to do all the things that you want to do in life. And so we, we spend a lot of time, my husband and I, sitting with our daughters and having them understand, um, you know, opportunities around financial literacy and more important, how to manage um, their credit and to how to invest. And yeah. I think that's something when I think of legacy that I want to make sure not only did I impart on my children, but I take a concerted effort in the community organizations I'm in to focus on that uh, within the community to, you know, really raise uh, the larger collective versus just the singular focus of my home. Because that's what it's all about. That's what it's about. The large yeah, it's about definitely. the larger collective, and, yeah. and we have to start as, as a community having a narrative around that. Definitely, um, you both have discussed. Uh, Christy, you have talked about your two daughters, and is it just two daughters? Just two daughters. Okay. That's it. Alicia, <laughs> <laughs> you've spoken about your two sons. Am I correct? Yes. yes. So I love that you both have. You know, it, there are definitely <laughs> some parallels here. Um, can we dig into how you balance your work life and, you know, your at-home life as, as moms, as, um, as daughters, as wives, as how, how are you balancing all of this? How do you balance your professional life and your personal? 
Christy, you want to start? Sure. So I have, I don't know where I found this quote, but I love it. It says, I can do anything, but I can't do everything. That's right. And so honestly, that's how I balance it. Um, You know, I have a very demanding job where I travel. I have two daughters that I love and I, you know, and I have community work and I'm involved socially. And so what I do is I say, you know, I can't be everywhere, but what's going to be the most important? So I sit Mm -hmm. down with my family with the calendar. And what's exciting is I bring my daughters into a lot of the conversation. They are thrilled. They're like, you get to go to New York and talk to Essence. You know, I bring them into it because I want them to see you can do anything. anything. Um, But I also want them to know, you know, it's a balance. And so I find now no is also a complete sentence. That's right. So, you know, before (laughs) I'm such a pleaser, I want to do it all. But now when I'm tired, I'm like, you know, no, I can't go to that event tonight. I'm going to stay home with my family or I'm going to, you know, take care of myself. But it's really about, um, in terms of my life, the balance and knowing that I can't do everything, but prioritizing what's important. And the one thing that I've really learned now that my daughters are in their teenage years is doing it as a family. So we're now having the narrative. Yes, we're all a part of, well, if we do this, then the the mommy can't be here. Um, But, you know, really making sure that I show up to the most important events of their life and being there when they need to talk. You know, sometimes with the travel, it might be a FaceTime um, that we're having so I can see their face and help them work through a problem or vice versa. Sometimes I need them (laughs) before I go into a meeting. So, you know, I'm like, send me this text. But we, yeah. yeah. So we really do try to, to balance it, but I find it more importantly to do that balance as a family unit Mm -hmm. versus trying to do it singular. Got it. Wonderful. Um, Valisha, you? So for me, I have a seven-year-old at home and then a one-year, 10-month-old, so a 20-month-old at home. So I have some little ones. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't believe in balance. (laughs) Balance isn't something that I would... Uh, a term I would use to describe where I am right now. Instead, I would call it harmony. And for me, that means just following the energy. And that sounds very like up in the clouds, but it really is true. I think that you get to a place in your life where you just have to trust the energy and your instincts and where you are. Sometimes I'm in just go hard mode. And when I'm in that energy and zone, that's where I go. I go really hard on work. Um, Sometimes I over-index there and mommy's on a flight literally every single day for seven days straight. Um, And I make that sacrifice because I know then when I build up those chips, if you will, it's kind of like credit. When I build up that good credit, I'm able to pull back a bit when I need to over-index in my family, which is where my priority is. And so, you know, for me, it's, you know, last Saturday, for example, just this past weekend, you know, I just, I was a total couch potato with my boys and we watched movies all day and we just, we never got out of our PJs and we just had good quality time because that's where my energy was. That's where their energy was. And, you know, to your point, Christy, as much as they needed it, I needed it too. Uh, But then, you know, I'm going to be on a flight Tuesday going to Congressional Black Caucus and just hitting the ground running in D.C. this week because, you know, that's where I need to invest the time this week. And so I believe in kind of the ebb and flow and the harmonious, if you will, um, uh, living that at least for me right now, I've had to just trust 
And it's worked well, you know, for me before I would say, you know, when I had my first son, I was, you know, very into the schedule and the calendar. And if it didn't fit within this time frame, I couldn't do it. And I was so rigid in my approach to just life that I became burnt out. And I believe that, you know, as a result, my family suffered because I was just so rigid and focused on, you know, this structure that I thought would make things better. And when I shifted my mindset and approach to just, you know what? I'm just going to trust the energy, trust myself, because my you know default already is just to work hard. So I've never had to just worry about, you know, my investment and time there. And so instead, I was like, OK, as a new mom, as a mom of now two young ones, you know, I'm going to trust the energy that when I do need to pull back, I'm going to do that. And and so far, it's worked out well. But let's talk again in about a year. <laughs> I love any yeah. conversation that's all that discusses energy. Right. So I'm very big on energy and listening to, you know, what your body's telling Absolutely. you, yes. what Absolutely. your mind is telling you, what, you know, things spiritually. Um, but Felicia, you mentioned something about burnout earlier. Um, about how long ago was that where you kind of felt like you were getting burnt out or you were burnt out? Um, I would say I was getting close. Um, and and I'm pretty good with self-awareness, I think. And I could feel it coming. Um, and, and I would say that was probably about a year ago, okay. about a year ago. What are some signs that you witnessed in yourself that kind of made you say, okay, all right, I got to slow down or I got to change things up a little? I think it's just behavior and um, shift and just knowing yourself and knowing your body. You know, for me, um, I'm a morning person and I was having trouble getting out of bed. You know, and and normally 6 a.m. I pop up. I don't even need an alarm clock. I get my coffee and I'm in go mode because that I normally flourish in the morning. And I was just sleeping in and having trouble getting out of the bed. And my husband was like, what is up with you? And so that was one um, sign. The other was I'm really into cycling, like cycling is my thing. And I went like three or four months with just zero desire to cycle. And I was like, okay, something is not right. And then the final thing is I'll say I wasn't going to church. And it wasn't because I wasn't interested in going to church. But I just kept finding an excuse every Sunday on why it didn't work. And I was like, okay, I've got to just do some real course correction now because something is not right. And and I did. And I pulled back and I got, you know, my priorities in check and myself in order. And so I think that sometimes, you know, we have to be good to ourselves because if we don't, no one else will. Right. Yeah. And um, when you said church and how you didn't, you know, you weren't going, Christy's face kind of, she made a face. No, no, no. Definitely yeah. not. Oh, and I'm, I didn't even mention this earlier, but like, <laughs> Felicia is remote. She is calling in. So I'm not seeing your facial expressions, but I'm looking at Christie's. But it, to me, it read right. like you relate, like you understand. Like, I so understand. Because it sound, and it sounds like, you know, um, spirituality and it, church, and it's very important to you and maybe important to your foundation. That's what your face said to me. <laughs> right? No, so true. So true. So um, I wanted, what about you in terms of burnout? Have you, what are some symptoms or some signs have you ever experienced? Oh, it? for sure. Um, and, and I'll be very transparent. One time I experienced burnout and I had to leave the job I was in. Yeah. Okay. It was impacting me mentally. Uh, and quite honestly, that's why um, I was very fortunate to come to Nationwide 
applied to come to an organization that had a culture that was so much like I was from a person standpoint. But yeah, all the symptoms of not being myself, um, not, and I would say, um, in addition to, I'm a morning person as well, not getting up, but losing confidence. Mm. So I went from being this person that was overwhelmingly confident Mm -hmm. to walking into a room and feeling like I needed to shrink. And so mm-hmm. that's when I said in my, to my, I was like, it's time for me to go. That's an um, interesting yes. kind of, I guess you could say symptom. It is. <laughs> but I never thought about yeah, that. But I would, yeah. Because okay. you lose like, who, who am I? Like yeah. I, my, what I say, my opinion, my voice doesn't matter. Uh-huh. And I'll be honest, that's, that's the last time I really experienced burnout. And that was um, probably the early part through 2015 before I changed before roles changed. Uh, that I said, it's, it's time for me to make a difference. Uh, and, I will tell you, almost within three months of leaving that last job and coming to Nationwide, it it just propelled. And I saw the direct impact of me, again, getting back physical. But it hit me when my youngest daughter at that time said, Mommy, you're back to your old self. Wow. I was just going to say, I bet your kids knew it. They they knew it. And they they say now, they're like, you love your job. So that's what I want to exude. um, Because you don't don't really think about that sometimes. You think about the direct impact, like, how is this impacting me? But if you're married and you have a spouse, or you have children, or even your relationships with friends, um, you know, I found myself not wanting to go out. I just lost all confidence. And so, um, you know, that is something, and I would just tell, you know, individuals log it. Um, Mental health is so important and it ties Mm -hmm. into everything else. So if you see changes in behavior, sometimes it might be as drastic as changing a job like I had to, or it may be, you know, how do you scale back and not do so much? Yeah. And going back to that, no is a complete sentence. Ask for help. Yeah, ask for help. So um, I could keep going on and on and on and on with both of you, um, but we do need to wrap up soon. Um, Something that I like to ask everyone uh, that comes on Unbossed is, A, let me make sure you understand what the word Unbossed means. Like, um, Valicia knows what's up. (laughs) She mentioned um, Shirley Chisholm earlier. So I want to make sure, Christy, are you familiar with unboss and the terminology and what that means. What does that mean to you? So I can tell you what it means to me, but I want you to educate me on it. No, no, no. I got my own definition. When I hear, yeah, when I hear unbossed, I hear without limits. Mm. I hear, um, you know, someone who can propel, she can propel to heights unseen. I just see that there's, again, going back to those three, that is part of being fearless is being unbossed. Um, And really, you know, not contained um, is how I would define it. Is that that's perfect? Okay, no, I'm, like, I'm listening. I'm absorbing. I want to be unbossed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm absorbing. Um, so, Valicia, do you have a, your own definition, or what do you think of when you think of the word unbossed? I do. When I think of the word unbossed, I think of living life on your terms, unapologetically. No matter you know what influence you have around, no matter you know what they say, emphasis on they, you know, really thinking about what you want for your life and creating that. And so it's living life on your terms. Is there someone that meets that definition that you look up to still in your life? I would say my mom. My mom is just such a powerhouse. And and I don't even think she really realizes just how uh, powerful she is. And, And by power, I just mean like 
internal, you know, just character and integrity. And, you know, if she wants to buy it, she's going to buy it. And if she wants to do it, she's going to do it. And and I just love just how fearless and bold she is in her decision making. Um, and she does it on her own terms. What about you, Christy? Someone embossed to you. Oh, wow. I can't have two. You can have two. You can have two. <laughs> okay, good. I can you go can on screen. I can have two. <laughs> then it would have to be um, my mother as well. I think she is an amazing um, woman in terms of she's never met a stranger and she's the type of person that can walk in a room and captivate anyone. Wow, and so, she, and she's always said, I know my space. So she's never mm. wanted to necessarily climb in her track. She said, I'm good at this. And she's just been unapologetic to use that term. And the other person I would say is unbossed is my sister. Yeah. She is, we're 15 months apart okay. and she is Who's just, older? I'm the oldest. Okay. So I'm the more mature one. I'll always say, but she is just <laughs> amazing to me. She, again, is fearless. We, she went to Hampton undergrad, uh, and then she went to Wharton for business school, and wow, then she okay. worked on Wall Street and got burned out, too. Okay. Quit and moved to Germany. Like, learned to speak German. Went to, And she's just always how can I do better? Yeah. Um, and always that person I go to and we talk about and just always has this entrepreneur spirit. And so I would just say the fact that I was blessed to grow up with both of them in a home, um, I think they're both amazing and unbossed in different ways. So those are my too. That's powerful. I think so. Especially like having, you know, the sister and the mom. Oh, right yeah. There yeah. Yes. Um, well, ladies, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with me. And I don't know if you know this, but I have been suffering through allergies. Christy knows. Alicia, you don't. But oh, I may have been a little nasally. So thank you for dealing with that. But um, no. where can everyone learn more about either the work that you're doing personally or more about the companies you work for? Christy? Sure. I would say definitely visit me on LinkedIn. Um, I, my profile is out there, but as well, if you go to nationwide.com's website, we have a nationwide financial section and you will see the Retirement Institute there. Please visit us. We have not just only content, but solutions and tools that you can leverage to see how well prepared you are now and in the future for retirement. So important. Yes. Felicia, what about you? Same for me. You can find me across all social platforms uh, with just my first name, V-A-L-E-I-S-H-A. And I po post all the time cool job opportunities at Google and how to sign up for mentorship with Ween. So uh, follow me on social and on LinkedIn. All right. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Marquita. Can't wait to meet you. <laughs> Alicia, you thank too, you Christy. so much. And I hate that you're not here, but I kind of couldn't tell the difference. So thank you. <laughs> thank you both. Email me at unbossed at essence.com. Tell me about a woman in your life who inspires you to be unbossed. Or if you don't want to email, comment on social media using the hashtag unbossedpodcast. And please, please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Say nice things. Say constructive things, please. Okay. See you guys later.